hey, Joe Casaboni here, and I'm just letting you know that how I built it is now Streamlined Solopreneur. So if you're seeing a new artwork and a new name in your podcast player, that is expected and by design. The new name better reflects the mission and really what has been the mission of this show for the last few years, and I'm really excited about it. All the links in the show notes and how I built it will still work, but the show also has a new home over at streamlined.fm if you want to check it out. Thanks so much for listening. This episode is brought to you by Nitro Pack. Nitro Pack is an all-in-one site speed solution. Forget about trying to make caching work with your CDN and image optimization. Nitro Pack combines all speed optimizations into a single cloud-based solution. That includes advanced caching and built-in CDN, image lazy loading and compression, HTML, CSS, and JavaScript optimization, and more. On top of all that, it's easy and effortless to set up, and it won't take you more than five minutes. Once you enable NitroPack on your website, that's where the magic happens. The solution starts applying optimization automatically. If you want to save time and make your customers happy, NitroPack is the solution for you. Visit howibuilt.it slash nitro and test NitroPack risk-free by subscribing to their free plan. That's howibuilt.it slash nitro. There are a few chains freelancers in the WordPress space carry around their necks, if we're being honest. Not charging what you're worth is one. Not wanting to niche down is the second. And thinking you need to grow to an agency level to make real money is the third. These are all related. And Tara Clays bucks all of these trends. We have a great discussion about it. We talk about how she decided to finally find a niche and how her podcast helps her establish authority and why she doesn't want to become an agency, but how that authority allows her to charge more money. This is a lesson that freelancers in and out of the WordPress space can learn from, but it's also something that creators and any small business owner can can look at. As a creator myself, I know that sometimes I don't think what I'm creating is worth what I want to charge, and that's simply not true. You just need to find the right audience. Plus, in Build Something More, we talk about the new Macs, which one I got and the configuration and uh, when I'm getting it. So maybe by the time you're listening to this, I'm putting out new episodes on that machine. You can sign up and get all of the show notes for this episode over at howibuilt.it slash 260. That's 260. By the way, big thanks to our sponsors, Nitro Pack, Text Expander, and Nexus. So now let's get on to the intro and then the interview. Hey, everybody, and welcome to How I Built It, the podcast that helps small business owners create engaging content that drives sales. Each week, I talk about how you can build good content faster to increase revenue and establish yourself as an authority. I'm your host, Joe Casabona. Now let's get to it. 
Real quick before we get started, I want to tell you about a free weekly newsletter I'm doing called Creator Toolkits. I want you to become a more efficient creator. It's the whole purpose and mission of this show. I want you to be able to free up more time to create, to get more sales, and to make more money. And you'll be able to do that with these free weekly tips delivered to your inbox every Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. with the Creator Toolkits newsletter. As a thank you for signing up, you will get a free content planner that I use personally with uh, YouTube and podcasting, and that is built in Airtable. You'll get that completely for free if you head over to howibuilt.it slash Airtable. Become a more efficient creator with free weekly tips delivered directly to your inbox every Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern over at howibuilt.it slash Airtable. Hey, everybody. I am here with my good friend, Tara Clays. We're going to be talking about uh, specializing your agency. She is the owner over at Design TLC. She's a fellow podcaster. Let's bring Tara in. Tara, how are you today? Hey, Joe. I'm great. Thanks so much for having me on your show. Longtime listener. Uh, well, my pleasure. Thanks so much. Uh, I, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, this came about because uh, we were in. The GoWP, they're called uh, the Digital Agency Owners Group now, right? I um, think so, yeah. Uh, we were in that happiness hour. It's it's one of the Zoom calls that I, I make an effort to be a part of because it's a lot of fun. And, and uh, you had mentioned that you had uh, specialized and that you had a, a podcast to go along uh, with that. So I'm... Excited because I'm always telling people to niche down, and Chris Lam is always talking about like micro segments, and um, and and it's it's really cool to hear more people in the WordPress face, space like finally hearing that message. I feel like for a long time, people were beating the drum and uh, nobody was listening. So why don't we start with uh, a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure, thanks. I'm really excited to talk about this too. Um, this topic is, it's been an evolution for me. So I, uh, I'm kind of an old person in the space of, of the WordPress community. Actually, I'm in my mid fifties now. Um, and I, I started out in advertising before the internet. So I have a marketing advertising communications background and worked, uh, in a variety of industries, worked for ad agency, did a marketing director at like a gourmet store, worked at MCI telecommunications doing direct mail. So I have a foundation of, of sort of strategic thinking and communications, but then I had my first child and decided that I really wanted to stay home, um, because my husband worked a lot and I just felt like it was the right thing for our family. So um, at the time, my job at MCI was great and I, I had a great group that I worked with there, but it wasn't really fulfilling. And so I realized now looking back that I don't really have the patience for a big corporate process where you sit in meetings for months at a time trying to decide if the stripe on the envelope should be orange or blue <laughs> and then, you know, changing your mind and sort of no progress seemed to ever happen. So it was a great job and I learned a lot, but it wasn't something that I felt really passionate about. So making the decision to stay home was a pretty easy one, but it was also a hard one because, you know, I had a, I had a career and I didn't want to 
uh, leave that behind. So I had been doing some artwork, some illustration uh, as gifts. And uh, before I took the job at MCI, I had considered starting a stationary business. I had for years been doodling and making note cards by hand. So um, so when I stayed home, I started uh, just with the moms that I was meeting and in baby and me classes and stuff, sort of um, softly, I'd say, mentioning that I have, that I do this, this illustration work. So I started doing cu- some custom illustrations and, uh, and then the internet became a thing. And so I started teaching myself how to use Photoshop to scan in some of my stuff and ended up with a gigantic printer and paper cutter and ended up putting my illustrations onto cards. And before I knew it, then I had a website. So this was back before tiny prints or anything. And I used to, I, what I did were um, characters. So they had faces and hairstyles and bodies that, that you could kind of choose, pick and choose and put together. Yeah. Um, and so I had this massive sort of library on a Microsoft front page website. Uh, nice. And, um, you know, with tables for all of the different images. I still have a little bit of an archive of that site. Anyway, I liked the whole website process. And after several years of spending Christmas totally stressed out trying to print thousands of Christmas cards, I decided Mm. uh, that I wanted to stop that and just do digital work. So I cleared out my office of all the paper and the ink. And uh, and that was a great, actually, it was a relief to do that. Uh, And I had, through this sort of the networking of the stationery business met some other business owners whose websites I had built in a rudimentary way. And then front page made the announcement that they were no longer going to be supporting that software. So I had to choose something else. I started using Dreamweaver a bit, um, but then I discovered WordPress and started building websites back in 2010, learned how to make child themes and sort of taught myself a little bit of code in very backwards ways. Uh, And then I discovered the WordPress community and that really helped me really decide that this is what I wanted to do and and how to do it better. And I've never really looked back from there. So I kind of went from freelancer to calling myself an agency, an agency of one, as I know you've said and lots of people say, um, which I I really enjoyed. Um, So that's how I ended up where I am. And I live outside of Washington, D.C. I mostly have done work for small businesses through word of mouth locally, although over time have, you know, have some businesses internationally and, and, and across the country as well. Uh, and a few people that work for me too to help support my clients. So that's the evolution of Design TLC. <laughs> Nice. That's awesome. Uh, maybe uh, maybe a little bit later we could talk about making that first pivot. Um, because, yeah. uh, I, I mean, I maybe I'm spoiling it, though. I guess if you listen to the intro, you'll probably know. Um, it, it sounds like you've, you've made a little bit of a pivot. So, so actually, let me start here. You got into to WordPress around 2010. Um, were you... Let's see. I I think I've got my WordPress history right. Were you um, a thesis child theme person? I wasn't. I was actually, I think I just found some tutorials online and I built child. Well, I tried different commercial themes for a while and just absolutely hated that process. 
Mm-hmm. So then I discovered how to build child themes off of 2010. So my first child themes okay. were actually 2010 nice. child themes. And there was this guy, I don't know if he's still around. He was an Adobe guy, but he had this website called Ask Brian. And you could pay like $90 a month or something and ask him anything. So I would be building this child site. I didn't really know CSS very well. I didn't really know mm-hmm. HTML. And so I would send him questions and he would just answer them all. <laughs> so that's Man. kind of how I learned, which was a lot easier than, you know, digging for a lot of tutorials. I don't yeah. know if he's still around. Um, I think he was out on the West Coast, like Seattle or something. Really nice guy. I don't think I ever spoke with him, but we exchanged a lot of messages back in the day. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. That feels like a good... It feels like it would still be a good business model today, but I don't know, uh, with like Twitter and stuff. Yeah, um, he was very responsive. I don't know how he did yeah. it. <laughs> I also I also feel like I was having this discussion with Jennifer Bourne. Uh, I feel like if you did all of your work in the WordPress space, you feel really nervous about charging what you should be paid for stuff. So like mm. part of my brain is like, $90 a month would never work in the WordPress space. And then the other part of my brain is like, $90 a month is nothing compared to what you charge for like one-on-one coaching. Exactly. Um, yeah. So it's really, it's a, it's, I mean, that's a conversation for another day, but it just made me think of that. Yeah. Um, and so the reason I asked about thesis was because you also, you are a, Genesis. You did Genesis. I, was, I did. Okay, yes. you was. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So my first WordCamp. I've told the story a number of times, but my first WordCamp was in Baltimore in 2013, and I had come across some other person on the internet. Um, I didn't know anything about WordCamps or WordPress community, and mm-hmm. this guy um, mentioned that he was going to a WordCamp, and I looked it up. I'm like, what is that? And then I saw there was one in Baltimore, so I went, and I um, I sat down at lunch with two people who it turned out to be Shea Box and Chris Lemma. Chris, I nice. think, was the keynote speaker. I had no idea who they were. And um, Shay told me that she was, you know, she had a top-selling Genesis theme. And I was like, what's Genesis? And one of the speaker panels that day, somebody there was a Genesis user. So then I discovered Genesis. And I was like, okay, this is what I really needed was something that I could use without having to reinvent the wheel every time. Uh, and so then I just really got involved in the Genesis community. I discovered Carrie Dills. She had a live sort of office hours podcast at the time where right. I met some friends who are still my friends today uh, during the chat that she would have um, during that podcast. So, you know, really that that encounter with Shay um, and with Chris at that podcast really um, kind of opened my eyes to sort of the the best practices and the community of WordPress. Uh, that's yeah. that's fantastic. WordCamp Baltimore 2013. Mm-hmm. I think I went in 2014. Okay. Uh, where where Chris was definitely there then because that's when like my my whole approach to speaking changed because he gave me like a master class on how to speak. Yeah. Um, at like one of those random tables. But yeah. yeah, WordCamp Baltimore was one of my favorites for a long time. Um, yeah, it was good. So, but awesome. That's super cool. Uh, and and I think that's kind of how in my mind you're like, you're like in the Genesis group, like mm-hmm. with like, um, with Carrie Dills and, and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I think I'm, I think I heard your episode maybe. Did you, were you on Office Hours with Carrie? <sighs> I felt weird. I don't think I was. I don't know if I was. 
Um, maybe or was, was she on actually. hallway chats? She, both. Yes, yeah, she was on hallway okay. chats. Yep, for sure that. And I gave some talks at the DC meetup about Genesis. Okay. Um, so yeah, I was I was really um, you know I really got to know people in that community, and it's a great it was a great community. Learned a lot. Still, I'm friends with people that I met yeah. there. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Um, mm-hmm. So so that's great. Genesis was soon. So let me ask you one more question about Genesis, though, because I wasn't really big into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried my hand at it because it looked cool. And like I had a lot of experience with Thesis because a, a lot of my clients were using Thesis. Um, like a lot of my designer clients who would hire me to do the code stuff, like got mm-hmm. things started on Thesis. Um, but... It, What's going on with Genesis now? I I know a lot of people, I don't want to, well, what's going on with Genesis? I don't want to lead you to a conclusion. Yeah, so what's going on I, with them now? I have no idea. I actually, okay. um, I mean, I think they're part of WP Engine now, if yeah. I'm right. But I, um, I transitioned again from one thing to another. And so I started using Beaver Builder. I'm not sure what year that was. Several years ago, I went to yeah. Cabo Press Oh, I can tell you what year that was. It was um, 2016. I went to Cabo Press. And um, I remember specifically people were talking about Beaver Builder, and I'd started trying to use it. Because do you know Javinder Singh? Yeah. So he helped me a lot with with website stuff. I met him in Carrie Dill's um, group. And he started using Beaver Builder and I was kind of like, really, is that cheating? Like, it seems like not really the professional developer way to build a site. Not that I was a super coder or anything. Um, and and at Cabo Press, we had some conversations about it and the Beaver Builder guys were there. And and I was kind of, it was, it was just kind of like, um, visually, it's like the slap across the face kind of thing. Like, shut up. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> yes, it's fine. You know, stop, stop complaining about it. Just, um, and so I, ever since then, I kind of feel like, well, if everybody here says it's okay to use it, then I will. And I really have embraced it since then. So I was using Beaver Builder and Genesis. And then I discovered I didn't really need what Genesis had anymore. Mm-hmm. I, you know, did some testing between different themes. So now I just use the Beaver Builder child theme, Beaver Builder theme. For the most part. This episode is brought to you by Text Expander. What can you do with more hours? Repetitive typing, little mistakes, searching for answers. They're all taking precious time away from you. With Text Expander, you can take it back and focus on what matters most. In 2021, Text Expander saved me 34 typing hours. That doesn't even include the collective hours I would have spent looking for responses, links, resources, code, and anything else I type regularly. Talk about creating more efficiently. You will never need to copy paste repetitive responses again. With Text Expander, your knowledge will always be at your fingertips with a quick search or abbreviation. Text Expander is available on all platforms and show listeners get 20% off. Take back your time today at textexpander.com slash podcast. I didn't want to lead you to any conclusion, but everybody worries with acquisitions that the thing they love is going to die. Mm-hmm. And But like since the acquisition uh, of Genesis to WP Engine, I don't feel like things have been going very well. Um, yeah, I haven't. I have lost yeah. touch with it. That and Gutenberg yeah. 
too, right? Because Gutenberg's offering a lot of things as well. But yeah, you know, that's we'll, that's. I mean, I just moved. Uh, I love Beaver Builder, and 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 Robbie and Justin were two of my early guests on this show. But I've basically moved completely to Gutenberg, and I'm using Cadence Blocks, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not like I'm not like native Gutenberg because that's not ready for prime time yet. But that with like Cadence Blocks is is everything that I need. Yeah, I haven't. I really haven't got gone down that way, and I probably won't because I I have you know a system with the page builder, and all of my sites are using it. So. It would, it would confuse things, I think, to do that. But back yeah. in the day with Genesis, it seemed really neat that you could build a homepage without actually having a homepage, right? The widgets. Yeah. And then as I did that more and I tried to explain it to my clients, it was kind of like, this is makes no sense. It's so confusing for them that there's no, you can't see the homepage, that you don't exactly know which widget goes where and, you know, depending on how it's named and stuff. So I think it made sense initially, but as I started doing it more, it, and looking at the page builder, it was just so much more clear to have a homepage with homepage content on it. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the things, I mean, that was, pr- I mean, I've, I've been using WordPress since 2004, so I'm sure I'm certain that I made custom sites like this, right? Where I'd call in a sidebar and it actually served as a section of a page right. uh, or the homepage. But that, by the time I got to Genesis and I saw that that's how they were doing things, I was like, this doesn't make any yeah. sense. <laughs> like this is uh, not really the best way to do it. And I understand why it was done that way because it was like the most visual way um, for people to do it kind of pre-Page Builder. But yeah, I mean, Page Builders just serve a much better purpose. And, and so um, it's interesting what's going on with with. Uh, with Genesis now, I guess, but I know they killed a lot of their themes and they're only supporting a handful and they're all Mm. maybe free now or maybe they're for WP Engine users, but it's, it got very murky very quickly. Yeah. Uh, So, but that's, that's neither here nor there. We've, (laughs) I mean, we've talked about a few, a few of your pivots so far, but, um, in the in the GoWP group, you mentioned that you are now specializing in uh, in the education space, right? Yeah, yeah. Small schools, independent schools, and nonprofits, which many small schools are nonprofits. So there's kind of a crossover. And nonprofits, I mean, it can get very very specific. I choose to work with nonprofits who have some kind of uh, usually childhood enrichment focus mm, to it, or nice. you know, some something like that. So yeah. Awesome. And what made you uh, want to choose that? I know I've tried to specialize in the school space and I did it in like 2009, like during the economic crash and schools were like, we have no money. And I'm like, great. What a good niche to be in. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, it was, it was, uh, I was a reluctant, um, reluctant member of the specialized community, I'd say. I'm friends with Sarah Dunn and I watched mm-hmm. her YouTube videos and and thought about it a lot and always thought, I don't want to do that. I really like having a variety, you know, I like, and so I would just take anything that came my way uh, and and through word of mouth, you can get a, a variety of clients that way. And and I think I felt that that, that was interesting. 
until I felt like it wasn't right. Until the yeah. accounting website with the let's pick a stock photo of the mm. people in the office shaking hands, and then yeah. the lawyer, let's pick a photo of a people in an office shaking hands. And I just kind Use of dark felt, blue and a serif yeah. font, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. I just kind of felt, and then having to learn that industry a little bit in order to better mm-hmm. serve them, it was not interesting to me. And so when I looked. When I when I thought about it, you know, I I, I knew I didn't want to grow, which is another topic to talk about, which is, you know, I, I wanted to stay small. I've always been very vocal about, you know, growth, meaning that I want to be able to learn more and do things better, but I I don't want to have employees. I don't want to have an office outside my house. Um, I want to be an expert, right? I want to be good, get be, get better and better at what I'm doing. So I think I was at content camp. Um, Jennifer Bourne has a content camp and I was there a few years ago and I had been thinking about my favorite clients and my favorite projects. And I had re- done a rebranding of a of a enrichment program that did cooking classes for kids. And I had absolutely loved that. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, this is really what I like. And I have a number of clients who serve this kind of enrichment space, whether it's a school, which I had done some, or a nonprofit that helps kids or or some something like that. So I had a few clients in that space and I loved it, all of it. So I kind of decided that's what I wanted to do. And when I was at content camp, I went there not knowing if I was going to content camp to learn how to better serve my clients or to better um identify my own business. And so what Mm -hmm. I ended up doing during that workshop, because it is a hands-on, it's an excellent process. Like you actually do the work while you're there was, was changing my entire messaging on my website and making it completely focused on this, on this niche. Um, And I never really looked back. I identified, um, you know, some messaging language. I identified some marketing, strategic marketing thoughts, all of that. And then I came back from it and just kind of started gradually implementing some of the things that I had planned out during that content camp. So that was really, really helpful for me to to go all in. I had been thinking about it, but I kind of just pulled the trigger and went for it. I think now I'm ready for like a rebranding again of my own website, but it, but it's, you know, it works for me what I started with, I think. Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. First of all, uh, you mentioned both Sarah Dunn and Jennifer Bourne. I love both of those people very much. They've been, they've both been on the show twice. Uh, So I will link to their episodes in the show notes again over at howibuilt.it slash 260. But I mean, the more I hear about uh, Jennifer Bourne's content camp, the more I think that I should do it. Because while I am a content producing machine, I am never good at writing content f- for me, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Like I'm very good about learning in public and talking about the stuff I'm working on. But when it comes to like honing the marketing message for this specific group of people I'm trying to serve, I'm still very like Ron Swanson, matter of facty. Like, oh, yes. Yeah make money with your podcast in these ways. And it's like, well, all right, well, I'm, I'm not even podcasting consistently. So how can I do that? Um, <laughs> well, it's hard when it's yeah. your own self too, right? It's hard working yeah. on your own messaging. And I mean, it's an amazing program. It's it's a little overwhelming and intimidating because there's so much. I mean, the, the workbook that you get there is huge and there's, you know, index cards. And I mean, you can, if you really had the attention span, which I don't know, 
necessarily think I do to, you know, to hone in all day long on this stuff. You could, you could get your whole year's worth of content done. You could, Mm. you could really get, I mean, it's set up for that. Uh, For me, it was most effective in really sort of defining my message and thinking through my marketing strategy. And, um, and so it was, it was really invaluable that way. I think the other element of, of specializing was the idea of not just becoming, not just growing in some way and becoming an expert, but also simplifying my business. So, you know, when you become specialized in an industry, you learn it. So mm-hmm. now having done a number of websites for these independent schools, looking at other websites for these independent schools, it's somewhat formulaic. And so you you can get a sense of what works and why and and see what the trends that are happening there and focus on that rather than trying to you know apply something that works for a school to a bakery right so mm-hmm. um i think it's it helps you sell more projects i my close rate is like super high because i don't get a ton of leads but once they get to me i pretty much know that they're going to hire me because i can express my expertise to them. Yeah, you've done that thing, right? Where you've mm-hmm. you've sold them through the fact that your content speaks to them or that uh they already know that that you can help them specifically. This is this is something that I I tell people all the time and I'm like you need to niche down because um well, I, I, the way I like to tell it is is uh through baby clothes, right? I've written about this, I've podcasted about this like these, do you know what I'm referring to? Uh, So for the listeners, I'll I'll link this in the show notes as well, but um, there's a specific type of baby clothes that I know were designed by parents because they are easy to get on your child even in the middle of the night when you're half asleep. Like that's the kind of service that you should offer your clients. Um, Like when someone goes to you, they're like, man, this person knows my struggles and they can really help me. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really important. I think you have to open your mind to the possibility of niching down or niching down. Uh, I think I as I said I was really reluctant for a while when I when I heard Sarah doing that. And I think also she started out thinking about maybe just choosing uh, mm-hmm. a specialty and I think she talked about this with you, right? Like she had looked at chiropractors because she had done some chiropractor things yeah. and then she decided she didn't like doing that. So there's a trial and error there. I think you can't just decide what you like, oh, here's an opportunity. Dentists, I'm going to do that because there's an opportunity. I right. do really believe if you if you're going to make this move, it has to be something that you really enjoy and that you feel connected to and and for me passionate about, right? So it it's also easier to 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 sell your service when your potential client sees that you are passionate about it, right? I mean, I love working with content that talks about how to, you know, enrich children's lives and how a school or a program can do that. That's really fun for me to do. I feel good about it. So I do a better job as a result, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, even I see the same thing to people who are thinking about starting a podcast, like, what should I podcast about? The true crime is really popular or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. sure. I mean, 
if do you like listening to true crime podcasts? Because like I gotta tell you, if if like reporting on murder like bums you out, this is not gonna be a good time for you. You need to pick a topic that you're passionate about because it's a grind and that passion will help you get through the grind or will help you talk to potential clients better. And so I, I I love that. Um, so, and, and yeah, I know that you, like you said, you need to open your, your mind up to, to niching down because uh, it can be scary, right? The idea of like really limiting the amount of, or the types of, of clients or the types of projects that you're going to take. But as you said, your close rate is super high because you're not just casting a wide net and hoping for the best. Uh, you're, you're barely casting a net at all. You got the worm on the hook and, and people will come to you instead, which is the beauty of niching down. I hope that wasn't a weird metaphor. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's really true. Yeah. yeah. So, so how did you do it? Um, mm-hmm. w- you, you mentioned that you had some clients uh, in this space. You mentioned that you r- really honed your message with Content Camp, but um, how did you let people know like, hey, I'm I'm doing this, and also, I see you, I understand you, and I can help you. That's the challenge. I mean, I think that's the scariest part is how do is how do you do that? And for for some people, they may already have a lot of connections in an industry, so mm-hmm. it may be easier. I I didn't really have many, so I had to kind of start from scratch. And so, and it's still evolving. I, I use the twelve week year process and I have an accountability group. And so every quarter I set goals. And so for a long time, my goal has been, you know, become known uh, as Mm. an expert in school, WordPress school websites. And that's another, that's niching down even more because um, the first step is doing research on the industry, on who the competition is and on what the issues are for your potential clients, what they're, what problems they're trying to solve, not even just website problems, marketing problems for schools, enrollment problems, retention problems, so that you can identify with them and, and know where they, where they are coming from, not just about the website. But, you know, I just talked to a potential client the other day and I was able to discuss retention and retaining your families by letting them know what's going on in the classroom. That's not necessarily website related, but it shows them that I understand their situation. So that's a key. You have to know that. Yes. And, and going beyond that, right? Like I think a lot of people in in our position where they're web developers are worried that like Squarespace is going to take their job. Squarespace can't learn about an industry. Sure. Anybody can set up a five page website, but what you're offering should be more than that. It should be solving, like you said, other concerns where the website's just the vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. I think, it, and there, there is one company in the school website space that dominates, completely dominates. They're a huge company. They have their own CMS. They have, you know, mm. all, they have tons of digital marketing plans. They have a lot, lot, lot to offer. Most of the private schools in the world use this company and they're very expensive. Right. Yep. Um, and, and you can get a really amazing website or you can get a templated website and pay a lot of money for something that's not really very good. Uh, the second largest platform for school um, websites in my research is WordPress. So there's a huge opportunity there for um, for me. 
there are a lot of other agencies and companies that do WordPress websites for schools. I am not aiming to be the biggest. I'm not aiming to, you know, I'm not, like I said, I'm not aiming to grow. I want to be known and thought of. And, um, and so how did I do that? How have I been doing that? I'm still not the best known, but I am known. And I will say like my first step was, uh, the first year that I did this, I sponsored, there's, a school marketing group, independent school marketing group. They have a LinkedIn group and a Facebook group and they send out an email every week. So I sponsored them and they reached like 1,500, 1,800, some, you know, they have a pretty decent size list for an industry that's not necessarily huge. Got to know them, got on their podcast. So that was a great entry because they are very specific to this industry and a lot of small school marketers subscribe to them. So that was helpful. I don't know that I got any business from it at all directly, but it introduced me to a lot of people and it kind of forced me to engage in that community. I also reached out through that group to some other uh, contractors who do work for independent schools, but don't do websites. So people who do marketing surveys, people who do other types of work, and actually ended up being invited to join a mastermind with a group of women who have become good friends of mine uh, who don't do websites, but they do other types of consulting. So they're, they have a lot more school experience than I do. Um, but And so we talk about the challenges within the school. So I'm better understanding where they're coming from. So I did that. I hired someone to do some LinkedIn outreach for me, which is definitely not my comfort zone. And I, I got one client from that process, which was all I really needed to make it worthwhile. But that's a soul crushing process, right? Like that's just not fun, cold calling kind of thing. I, I did, I did actually, I just forgot. I just remember that I did this first in that first few months after I got back from content camp, I made direct mailers. I got these little like, um, heart shaped, uh, ice pack, you know, those little gel packs, made a little mailer. And researched local schools and camps and sent them this in the mail. I got zero calls. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so I, I just knew after a couple of attempts at that sort of outbound cold calling that that is not what I want to do. I'd rather close up shop <laughs> than do that. Yeah. It's no fun. <laughs> wow. But yeah. that's, that's super cool that um, I'm very interested in somebody who, who, does LinkedIn outreach right? Because in my experience, no one does. Yeah. In, in, yeah. Like just the people who have reached out to me are just like, hey, happy to connect here. By the way, do you blah, blah? No. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah it was so a that, very automated yeah. process. You know, it was mm-hmm. a, um, it, it, I think they tried to make it personalized. Mm-hmm. But it just, it was really outside of my comfort zone. And I'm glad to have tried it. Like, I think, you know, it was worth a try. I have one of my colleagues um, who does uh, a different kind of consulting had a lot of luck with it um, because what she was offering is something that I think is maybe more people are looking for directly. Whereas with a website, it's kind of like they already have a website. What are the chances that you're going to hit them at the moment that they're considering a refresh. Yeah. And that did happen with one. So I did get one really great client um, through that process. So I can't say it was a failure at all, but um, it just wasn't comfortable, I think, is the more, is the, is the better way to think about that. 
Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing I did was um, last, at the end of last year, I had been doing a WordPress podcast called Hallway Chats with Liam Dempsey. Mm-hmm. And we had done that for a couple of years and enjoyed it. It was not anything. It was just a service to the community. Um, but I enjoyed that. And we kind of came to a point where we were wrapping it up and um, Topher and Kate DeRosha were growing their hero press. And so they took over hallway chats and, and at the same time that that was closing, I uh, reached out to one of the women that I met in this school mastermind consultant group and asked if she'd like to do a school marketing podcast. So we pretty quickly started a, a, a podcast directed toward independent school marketers, mainly women, I would say, is, is our target audience. Um, and it's called Mindful School Marketing. We try to talk about mindfulness. We had Shay Box come on and talk about Enneagram. Yes. So, you know, trying to make it a little bit fun and not not too heavy in terms of just marketing. There are a number of podcasts in the school marketing space, enrollment space run by some like big enrollment companies that do enrollment management, uh, but most of them are run by men. So we wanted to create a, something different. Uh, and because of my experience with Holly Chats and some of the advice that you shared with me too, Joe, um, it was really easy to spin up this new podcast because I had a lot of processes in place. Uh, we One thing we do differently, and I think you asked about this on Twitter um, a few days ago, is we do post video on a YouTube channel. And nice. so um, my co-host has a VA who does all of the editing and all of the posting, which I was doing for Hallway Chat. So I don't have to really do much work. It's pretty nice. And we just got our first sponsor. So, um, hey, congratulations. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, thanks. So it's just another platform to try to establish authority. Again, mm-hmm. I don't know that it's translating to new business so much, but it's something that I can mention when I'm talking to a potential client that I have this podcast. And yeah. so it kind of just helps to, again, help. It's another avenue toward being known in this in this industry, in this space. Yeah, I think that's great. And this, I mean, this is obviously something I I tell a lot of people: start a podcast, establish your authority, and um, and that's that's awesome that you got your first sponsor because that's that's work, right? It's not always easy to do that, and I think that, um, but finding if you find the right fit, then I think a lot of people worry that they don't have enough downloads. Um, and I will tell people like, if you find the right fit. Downloads is is not the most important thing. That's good to hear. Yeah, we don't yeah. have a lot of downloads. We also are, you know, we're very specific, so it's a right. pretty small, it's a pretty small target. So I think it's targeted. It's not right. going to be. It's not. It's not a very broad thing that we're doing. So yeah, but it's yeah, fun. So, I really enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. And then, did you say you had say on for um, uh, enneagrams? Yes. Any- now, do you Enneagram. know your do you know your enneagram yes. type? Yes, uh, we had my husband and I had Shay do our enneagrams. Nice. Um, she does it for couples. It's very cool. Uh, oh, I'm very a cool. Enneagram one. Okay, uh, which that is, is the, the reform. Oh, the perf- Okay, so yeah, I have it listed here as the reformer. I don't know if I took like a different one, but uh, are you a yeah, one as I'm, well? Uh, I am. I scored. Equally on the helper type two. Okay, that's a two. And the uh-huh. enthusiast type seven. Okay, yeah, I can see so, that. 
Yeah. Yeah. And then very close was type eight, the challenger. I feel like those three words are pretty descriptive of my personality. (laughs) Yeah. My daughter is an eight. Um, But yeah, so it was fun to talk about. It's fun to talk about that. And um, we've had some other, you know, kind of life coach type people on also. We had Sherry Walling on to talk about burnout. So, you know, I was able to connect with, reach out to some of my uh, friends in the WordPress space um, to talk about different topics or people that I've met through WordPress. And that's the biggest challenge of a podcast, I think, is finding the guests, at least for the podcasts that I've had is, you know, is finding the right fit, finding the guests um, to talk about, lining up your topics, making your schedule, all of that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of people think that they need to do interview shows. Um, and I, I, especially people who are establishing authority, I generally try to steer them to at least doing a partially solo show, right? Cause then yeah. you can talk, you know, like your co-host and you could talk about mm-hmm. stuff that yeah, you're doing. That. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right? We just so, did one on retention. Yeah. Yes. We have done Perfect. that. Yeah. 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 And those, I, I suspect that those are probably good episodes, especially in establishing your authority. So I'm, I'm experimenting with this right now with my other podcast, make money podcasting where it's just me talking for, I shoot for less than 20 minutes on, yeah. uh, on, you know, how to grow and monetize your podcast. So we'll see. Just launched it. I had a launch tie, like a launch day sponsor, which thank you, oh, Nexus, also yeah. sponsor the show. Um, <laughs> but we'll see how that goes. Yeah. I think the short ones are, I mean, they're, they're great. I know you, I, I listened to, or maybe you did a blog or maybe you mentioned it on GoWP. Anyway, the Daily Stoic. I've yeah. become a huge fan of that podcast because most days it's under 10 minutes. Sometimes it's like three minutes and it's just a little gem of information. And so I think short podcasts are, good, are a good idea too. This episode is brought to you by Store Builder from Nexus. When it comes to setting up an e-commerce site, you have a choice between easy but limited or a limitless platform that you need to manage yourself. Until now. Store Builder is e-commerce made easy for everybody. It saves you time and delivers a storefront that lets you get to selling. As someone who set up multiple e-commerce sites, I can tell you that Store Builder has been a much easier experience than anything else. Answer a few questions, add your content, and sell. Store Builder was created and is supported by e-commerce experts at Nexus. Get the speed, security, and support you need when you need it. Are you ready to launch your perfect online store? Head over to howibuilt.it slash storebuilder for a special offer. That's howibuilt.it slash storebuilder. I guess this is like the first official mention on the on this show, but uh I'm I'm gonna launch a new like short form version of this called How I Built. I'm, I think I'm gonna call How I Built Bits, okay. um, where it's like 15 minute segments from previous yeah. episodes that might have oh, cool. you might have missed. So that's um, a great idea. Yeah, like that. yeah. Thank you. We'll we'll see how it goes. I think I I said uh, to to Nicole Osborne recently that content creation is experimentation. Yeah. Um, so I'm doing a ton of that. Well, lately. repurposing uh, is, is yeah. great. You know, it's great. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah I'll absolutely. mention one more thing that I've done if I think about my whole strategy. And this is a, another tough one um, is I've been trying to do some webinars. So I did a couple of webinars with some other people in the schools 
marketing space who do like digital ads and stuff like that. Yeah. And then I've started, I really want to be the WordPress expert for schools and be a helper and be known as somebody who can help solve your WordPress problems, uh, which of course lots of people have. <laughs> so uh, I started doing these lunch and learn um, sessions once a month mm-hmm. and it takes a lot of patience, self-confidence, self-esteem, which I don't always have in abundance. Um, when you are on a Zoom call and nobody talks or you have two people show up, it is, you know, it is definitely a commitment. Uh, yeah. it, you have to have a little bit of inner um, strength to do that. So I've had no one show up. I've had 20 people show up. You know, I've had a, a range. Almost never does anyone engage or interact <laughs> there. They're, yeah. who knows, right? I don't interact on, on webinars either, so I can't really blame them. Uh, but I have gotten a couple of clients that way. So I think that is helpful because they can, they can see you, right? They can see you in action and they can see you offering them knowledge that they weren't aware mm-hmm. of when it comes to WordPress. Like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize I could do that. Or I did one on search console, right? I didn't realize that I could do that. So when you're showing them that you know something, and then they come to you and ask some questions. Um, I think for me, I really like solving their problems. And oftentimes what ends up happening is they have more problems than they knew they did. <laughs> so we can work together to solve them and it becomes a bigger project. Um, so, yeah. So that's all good. The nonprofit space is is huge. And so I've been really focusing on schools. But I, but I do also really love working with nonprofits and have had uh, a few childhood enrichment-related nonprofit projects come my way through Google searches and word of mouth that I really enjoy as well. So that's another avenue um, that I can explore as I move forward, I think, too. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I'll just say, is Lunch and Learn an education thing? Because I first heard it like at the University of Scranton, where like, I was a tech con, a student mm-hmm. technical person, and we had to host these lunch and learns for staff. Um, and so I, I was I, like, I'm like, is that a corporate thing? Is that an education I thing? I have no idea because I've heard it all over. I mean, I've seen yeah. a number of people do it. Sarah Dunn does them, um, nice. you know, calls them that. So it's not, a, I don't think it's a proprietary term. I think it's a familiar to people that it just means it's yeah. casual and short. You know, it's right. well under an hour. And nice. um, I, I will prepare a couple of slides for them, but I don't spend a ton of time because it's I, I do it on a topic that I already know. So awesome. Um, yeah. Awesome. That's yeah. definitely I need to do every year, probably every six months. I'm like, I should do more webinars. And then I'm like, nah, though. Like, <laughs> so, a lot of work. Yeah. And I do live stream almost weekly, but like uh, live streams are just like whatever. I'm just working. I'm just talking through what I'm working on. Um, like I feel like a, a webinar is maybe a little bit more prepared. Maybe I should have somebody on to talk about live streams versus webinars versus workshops, uh, which are yeah, like generally that, like these would, paid things, right? Yeah, I would I would tune into that. Yeah, excellent. So if anybody out there is listening, webinars mm-hmm. versus workshops, reach out Joe at Casabona dot org. Um, <laughs> I oh, and then the last note on this, right? Because as, as somebody who is taught in the classroom to students who don't want to participate. Uh, while also being the person who participated when I was a student, looking out at just blank faces is like, 
you got to get used to it fast if you're going to teach because it's like demoralizing at first. And the first few weeks I taught, I was like, I was like, these kids don't participate. Like somebody was always participating in my classes when I was a student. And then somebody, my friend was like, was that somebody you? And I'm like, yeah, right. It was me. (laughs) Um, So yeah, yeah, getting those blank stares is rough. Yeah, for sure. I think I, I my heart goes out to teachers who do this every day, especially COVID, what COVID's done yeah. to that. It's just, yeah. And I, I mean, these are the people that we talk to because a lot of the people who do marketing in small schools also teach in small schools. They wear many yeah. hats. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's that's a, a tough, uh, yeah, tough profession. And uh, I know a lot of parents in the COVID era learned just how hard it is. Yes. Um, yeah. Awesome. Well, as we as we approach the end of our time here, I know uh, that the last topic we want to talk about, and something I think is very uh, a, a really good one for independent creators, especially, is is not wanting to grow. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul Lacey was uh, on the show. My New York accent just came out super hard there. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Paul Lacey was on the show last year. Um, where he talked about how he kind of went from freelance to agency back to freelance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we've both read A Company of One by Paul Jarvis. Um, so tell me a little bit about that philosophy, right? Because I think we're in a place where it's like, hustle, grow, publish every day, do the thing, don't sleep, whatever. And I'm just like, I've got three kids. I want to sleep whenever I can. I don't want to run like a m- huge business. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like talking about this, although it reveals some of these insecurities that I referenced. I went to Cabo Press and just felt like I did not fit in because everybody there had these products. And I think I think Cabo Press has changed in the past few years. But, you know, I just felt like I'm just this little like I use the term mompreneur and people yelled at me. Right. Like I <laughs> am sort of an accidental entrepreneur. I have no, right. I don't have, this wasn't something I set out to do with a business plan. I have uh, colleagues who here in in the local area who have marketing agencies and they're, you know, they're hiring people and they're getting office space and putting a sign up on the building and that's their dream. And I see that they, you know, didn't take a paycheck last month because, you know, their client didn't pay and they had to pay their employees and, and, um, they end up dealing with somebody quitting when they are just really busy and then they have to do the work themselves and all that kind of stuff, which takes you away from the thing that you started out doing. And so I've been very adamant about not wanting that and yet question it all the time because that's what mm-hmm. you hear, right? That's what you hear. Yeah. And I'm a competitive person and I and this community is very supportive of growth and even the the GoWP group, right? People talk about growing and they talk about getting to seven figures or all of these different things. And I just, that scares me. And I, I never set a revenue goal because I'm afraid, <laughs> I'm afraid to not meet it. So for me, staying small has been really important for my own peace of mind, I think. And, but it's hard to admit that I think sometimes. And so sometimes I feel like, a loser because I'd say I don't want to grow. And when I think about it, and I think Paul Lacey on that episode with you, like talked about, about growth and getting better, right. It's a form of growth. And so when I think about that, I absolutely am super passionate about self-improvement and 
growing skills and getting better. So if I think about that as a growing, then yeah, every day, I want to grow every day. So that shift in mindset has helped and it's helped me, I think, embrace this specialization more as well. Yeah, I love that so much because I think that, um, again, maybe this goes back to like that, uh, that, um, necrosis, I'll call it, in the WordPress space where it's like, I individually can't charge that much. And if I want to grow my business, I need more clients, which means I need employees. But that's not true even a little bit, right? I kicked off the year with Rochelle Moulton um, uh, because I want people to hear that you as an expert individual can charge mid five or low six figures for an engagement. If you know what you're talking about, you don't need 10 employees to make a million dollars in a year or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just agree so hard with that. You know, the reason I left crowd favorite um, back in, in 2016, uh, 2017 was um, because I wanted to spend more time with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, as I, I, I guess it's long enough now that I could say this, but you know, they were like, can we convince you to stay? And I said, I'm not gonna miss my daughter's first steps because I was working late for somebody. Yeah. Um, and so you got to think about why you start a business. I started a business so that I could be there for my family. Why would I start my own agency, which would take more time away from my family, not less time, you know, unless I was totally hands off, which. I am not like that. You know, I'm not like a serial entrepreneur who just starts a bunch of businesses that run on their own. I like doing the work. Yeah. I, I appreciate that so much. And I think that I respect that decision. For me, I'm 54 years old. My kids are grown. They live far away. My husband works from home and um, we don't have college tuition anymore. You know, we have more flexibility. So yeah. for me, it's not, it, I like, working and I'll work into the night if I want to work into the night. And that's a whole nother topic, right? It's guilty about that. But I think it's more, it's more the concept of just not wanting to have the pressure of, of growing and meeting some kind of thing. And, and maybe if I were 28 years old or 30, 30 years old, and I was looking forward to my life and thinking I wanted to build something I could sell, I think that's awesome. I mean, I have, so yeah. we, have, we both have many friends in this space who are doing that and, and more power to them, I think. And they're good at it. They're good at leadership. They're good at managing a team. They love doing that. I like working by myself. I have some contractors who are amazing, um, who work with me. I can go days without contacting them. I, you know, I'm generous and and kind and let them know how much I appreciate them. But mm-hmm. I don't want to sit in a meeting and talk about, stuff. I just want to do. Yeah. So yeah, it's also a a mentality of work style. Yeah. That's so interesting. I I like, I don't feel like we're that far apart in age though, to be honest, we're farther apart in age than I thought we were. Um, (laughs) uh, But, and, and we are, but, and we're in different stages of our life. You know, I have a a newborn at home, Um, but we both have our reasons for not wanting to grow. Right. Um, And one of the reasons that I'm picking the path that I've picked, which is one less reliant on client work and maybe more reliant on product sales and recurring revenue is, is for, for that very reason. We both have the ability to um, enable the lifestyle we want 
as well as quickly pivot. I think that's probably another thing, right? Because again, if yeah. you have like a company of 10 or 20 people, right? We can't just like decide today, oh, well, I, I want to move into this, right? Um, or I want to try my hand at this, right? Sarah Dunn talked about that. She did have employees. And so she was a little bit more surgical about her niching down mm-hmm. um, and about who was going to come on this journey with her. So, um, and again, like you said, more power to people who have employees and start the agency. That's not for me. Um, my accountant's like, so who do we need to give 1099s to this year? And I'm like, uh, 1099s, whatever. <laughs> Just like, so like having to like set up like payroll for other people and like yeah. worry about that. That's like not, I'm not about that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Awesome. Well, Tara, this has been such a fantastic conversation. Yeah, I miss talking you. to you. We go to yeah, a lot of, we, in the before time, we went to a lot of regional word camps and, and got to meet up and chat. Um, so um, if, if oh gosh, I need to ask you the most important question here. Yeah. Didn't okay, show up on it. my notes. Do you have any trade secrets for us? So I would say, I give this a little bit of thought, um, do good work. Just, I mean, that's that number one Enneagram perfectionist in me, but do good work, be responsive, set respectful boundaries. Um, and I think caring about the work that you do and caring about your client, those are, they're not secrets. They're just, I think, an approach to to doing business. Love that. That's so funny uh, because I just interviewed Jack Kittering. Kittering, you pronounce the H. I double checked. Um, and he said something very similar. My trade secret is I don't have one. And it's do do the work, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I also like what you said about respectful boundaries because that is something I feel like a lot of freelancers, especially small business owners, need to do for themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. I like I've had clients call me at like midnight and I'm like, hi, it's midnight. I'm asleep. Wow. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah. yeah. Um, that happened yeah, once and only once. Yeah. <laughs> the client who called me at that time. It's terrible to discuss that in your contract. Yeah. <laughs> got a very direct, very direct feedback about yeah. how inappropriate that was. Yeah. Um, I have I actually yeah. have one more um, thing if I can add it on, which is, um, yeah. which is uh, the idea of relationships. I think it's also really important to let people know what they mean to you whether it's your client, whether it's your colleague in a Slack group, whether it's, you know, a contractor who's working with you. I I just, I feel really, I've lost a few people who passed away recently. And I feel like not, like leaving things unsaid is one of the biggest mistakes that you could make. So I would share the tip of just once a week or whatever, just reaching out to somebody and letting them know what they mean to you. I can't say anything better than the way you just said it. So uh, <laughs> let's leave our guests with this. If they want to learn more about you, where can they find you? DesignTLC.com is my website. Uh, I'm Tara Clays on Twitter, and that's C-L-A-E-Y-S. And I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram as well. All right. I will link to that and everything that we talked about it's going to be a rich show notes page this yeah, week good. Uh, over at howibuilt.it slash 260. Uh, Tara, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, if you uh, want to get a little bit of an extra conversation 
by joining the creator crew. Tara and I talked about the new Macs, which as we record this, were announced yesterday. One of us purchased a new <laughs> Mac, but you can listen to the pre-show. Uh, you can sign up over at that show notes page, howiebuilt.it slash 260. Tara, thanks so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Joe. And thanks to our sponsors, Nitro Pack, Text Expander, and Nexus. Thank you for listening. And until next time, get out there and build something. <laughs>